The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show, where here in February in New York City, it actually feels warm. It made it to 32. There is hope despite what the groundhog did. So wherever you are and however warm you happen to be, we warmly welcome you to the Main Street Vegan Show. And we have a fun, fun show today because I don't have to do it all by myself. There are actually people sitting here at a table on either side of me, Martin Rowe and Lizette Aropeso. Aropesa. And they'll be coming on in a little bit. But our first guest is actually joining us via Skype from the wilds of Colorado. You have met her on this show before and you've probably met her through her wonderful blog, JL Goes Vegan, or her other wonderful blog, Stop Chasing Skinny. You may know her as co-author of Vegan for Her the woman's guide to being healthy and fit on a plant-based diet that she wrote with Virginia Messina, one of our favorite dietitians and favorite people. J.L. Fields is a vegan cook, vegan lifestyle coach and educator, graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy. She is the plant-based team leader for Attune Foods and speaks on plant-based food and vegan activism, fitness, and body image. She also works in nonprofit management at festivals, farm markets, community organizations, colleges, and universities, and she's just incredibly cool. Plus, she knows how to cook with this really scary machine, like my mother used to have, until one day when something blew and the whole kitchen looked as if it had been very poorly painted, a strange shade of gray. But I think things are different these days. I think J.L. Fields will bring us pressure cooking with another shade of gray. Welcome, (laughs) J.L. Fields. Thank you, Victoria. I just adore you. I'm so excited to get to talk to you again. Well, what is really cool today about having you on the show is that the two people who are going to be joining us after the first break, and you're welcome to stay around if you have the time and the desire, are people from Running, Eating, Thinking, a vegan anthology. And you are one of the runners, I believe, in this anthology as well. Am I right? You are correct. So cool. So we're going to talk about cooking first, running later, everything in divine order. (laughs) So vegan pressure cooking, delicious beans, grains, and one-pot meals in minutes, your brand new book. Tell us how you got into pressure cooking. 
Well, you know, I fell into it like I seem to fall into most things, whether it was running or even vegetarianism or veganism. But honestly, Victoria, it was because I had really no clue how to cook vegan when I went vegan. And so I started reading lots of blogs and lots of cookbooks. And my friend Jenna Hamshaw, who you know, uh, who writes the blog choosingraw.com and has a book out by the same name, she wrote a blog post one weekend about how she and her boyfriend put together this really quick meal on a Saturday night that included beans and grains by using two pressure cookers and they were sitting at their table in minutes. So I immediately went to Amazon, ordered a pressure cooker, ordered a cookbook, and I've been pressure cooking ever since then. <laughs> now that is so interesting because I think of Jenna as a raw person, a high, high raw person. Yeah. And to me, pressure cooking seems like the ultimate in cooking. It just seems so super cooked. Tell me the, the process. What exactly is pressure cooking? That's so funny. I was just, um, I was in Montana last week with one of my fellow vegan lifestyle coaches who also graduated from your wonderful Main Street Vegan Academy, um, Bonnie Goodman. And when I was landing in Denver, I was talking to this woman on the plane next to me and I told her the book and she goes, vegan pressure cooking. She goes, that sounds mushy, which I thought was hilarious. Um, and I got it. I was like, oh, because you've been thought of it as cooking meat. And she's like, exactly. I'm like, yeah. I said, no, it's not mushy unless you want it to be. But, um, you know, it's just the perfect way to cook beans and rice. Like I just taught a class in Spokane, Washington, where everyone went nuts when they saw the beautiful brown rice with mushrooms cook up in 22 minutes because they've been cooking it for 40 minutes. And, um, and so it's super fluffy. It's like using a rice cooker, only it's the pressure cooker and beans can come out al dente. If you want to, you can control your cooking time. And really the idea behind the pressure cooker is simply, you know, so many people say, Oh, so it's just like a slow cooker. And I say, no, it's the exact opposite of a slow cooker because it's going to cook everything super, super fast, but everything stays inside that machine because it's sealed closed and it steams beautifully. It's a great way to make vegetables. I eat the crunchiest cauliflower and broccoli um, steamed. It's it's fantastic device. Well, it, it's very interesting. I must say, you know, I had a childhood trauma with a pressure cooker. Yeah. So you're going to have to easily lead me back. My understanding is that new pressure cookers are not grandma's pressure cooker. That's exactly right. You know, they have the first generation cookers, which actually in my house, they were really pressure canners. I mean, I remember my sweet, sweet mother who was born in Southern, or she was raised in Southern California. And then she met this man, my father, who lived, was like in Iowa, Illinois, and he had these canning expectations. So this poor Southern California girl is suddenly canning with a can pressure canner. And it was terrifying. It shook, it rattled, it rolled. She would shoo us all out of the house. That's not what the pressure cookers are today. Second generation pressure cookers have safety devices on the lids. There are features where you can't even open the lid if the pressure hasn't come down. And then of course there's the third generation electric pressure cookers, which make it really easy. Press a button and suddenly the food is cooking and you can't open the lid until it's done. And you can actually walk away. You don't have to tend to it in the same way you would a stovetop. So they have come a very long way, Victoria. Well, I believe it because you're telling me this. This is JL Fields, JLGoesVegan.com, whom I trust a lot. So let's just say that somebody like me, for instance, was going to go out and I bought my brand new pressure cooker. Do I need your book or some kind of special cookbook? Can I? Do I use the same um, amounts of water and beans as I would if I were just cooking in a pot or does everything change? That's a very good question. So if you uh, go out to buy a pressure cooker, what I would tell you is you're going to, first off, you're going to look for one of two kinds. You're going to look for a stovetop pressure cooker or an electric pressure cooker. The electric pressure cookers are getting very popular right now, the multi-cookers. Um, I use a Fagor um, 3-in-1, which is a rice cooker, slow cooker, and a pressure cooker. Um, and there's also... Um, another one that a lot of people who come to my classes are using called the instant pot and it will have a manual with it. It's going to tell you how to use it and it's going to give you cooking times. Uh, but you can't, um, necessarily take a recipe from an old book and, and do it exactly the way it is and do it in a pressure cooker though. So you can go to websites. Um, you can go to, you can pick up pressure cooking books and they give you charts on 
how many, if you're going to do one cup of dry beans and if you soak them overnight, how much water do you need to cook with them? Or how much water do you need with a cup of quinoa or a cup of brown rice? And so you do want to use as a resource some type of vegan pressure cooking chart or book. Well, I happen to know a really good one. It's called Vegan Pressure Cooking, (laughs) Delicious Beans, Grains, and One-Pot Meals in Minutes by J.L. Fields. But seriously, some of the things that you have in here, I I try when I have a cookbook author on to to try out a couple of their recipes, and obviously I haven't done that here since I don't have the equipment, but the, the, the sound, really, really good. You've got savory oatmeal and stewed apricots, and you've got kale, lentil, and squash chili, which sounds really good. I might even steal that one and make it in a regular <laughs> pot. You have sweet potato enchiladas. So there's a lot. How much do you use this thing in your kitchen? Oh, I use it. I use it daily and I use it on the weekend. You know, for me, it's a real strategy in preparing for meals. I think a lot of people when they're going vegan think that, um, you know, they're concerned about the amount of time it takes to be in the kitchen. I think that a pressure cooker keeps you out of the kitchen, meaning you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, to spend hours at the end of the work day. You can do a lot of your bulk cooking on the weekends, making beans and grains in bulk, and then just simply reheating and eating throughout the week. I think it's a great tool for, for new vegans. Um, Um, and you know, I think the recipes are really fun. I think that, you know, there's soups and stews and one pot meals, and it's just a a very quick way to have some very healthy and wholesome meals. I do have a few naughty things in there too, because I am me. Let's talk a little bit about that because I, I love you are one of the great vegans for body acceptance and Hey, this is really great food. Let's have some. Tell us about that. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, yes, it's true. I um, About four years ago, I decided to stop going on a diet every January and just go ahead and let myself be bigger and see what that would feel like. And I'm human. You know, someone sent me a picture this week and said, oh, my gosh, look, this is a picture from the first time we met. And it was like four years ago when I was still running like half marathons and, um, you know, doing triathlons. And, and I was much thinner. But what I saw was um, I looked at that and I'm like, wow, I was smaller. And do I feel weird about that? And I thought, gosh, I'm so freaking happy right now in this moment. Um, and yeah, I think that, um, you know, my opinion on this, but I, I do feel like, you know, there are a lot of reasons people come to veganism. And ultimately I think we all know that if they, um, whether it's the animals, the environment or their health, that if they are drawn to two of those three pillars, there's a good chance they're going to stay vegan. And so I love that people find their way to veganism, whatever that is. What I have a hard time with is selling veganism as a pathway to being skinny, as a pathway to guaranteed good health. I think that's dangerous. I I, I always think back to Jenny Messina, my co-author from Vegan for Her, who says, go vegan for the animals and you will always win. And then you get some really great side effects as well, which is can be very good health. You might lose weight if you follow the standard American diet. And I, I just think that if we give ourselves a break um, and, and fall into veganism for all the right reasons that, um, that, that it's a good thing. And yeah, um, I try to let people know, as you know, I've been trained by you to be a vegan lifestyle coach. And, and most people who come to me to say that they want to go on a diet, I actually refer elsewhere. I don't know how to count calories. I don't count calories. I'm not the right person to help someone um, who needs weight loss, but they may need to lose weight. And I refer them to my fellow coaches. Um, I like to work with people who are just trying to find their way in the kitchen and feel like they're too busy to cook. And so, you know, we all find our way and, um, It's been great, Victoria. One of the things, you know, I have had three clients in the last year who specifically said they wanted to work with me because they saw my blog, Stop Chasing Skinny, and that they weren't interested in getting skinny. They just wanted to eat a healthy vegan diet, and that makes me really happy. Oh, that's so nice. And you may be the only woman who doesn't know how to count calories. And then, (laughs) but if if you learned, I have to say, if you learned, then when somebody comes to you who wants to gain weight, you can teach them how to count calories because that seems to be a really great way to gain weight. Okay, that's a good point. Happened to me plenty of times and plenty of other people. But I do want to read something from Running, Eating, Thinking. And and this is from your beautiful essay, JL, A Well-Rounded Vegan. You say, I am the round vegan who unapologetically shows up at running races and triathlons wearing a no-meat athlete shirt, knowing full well people may be scratching their heads wondering why she's not a waif. 
my vegan running isn't about getting smaller. It's about being bigger and bolder, joyfully rounder in body and in spirit. Oh, if anybody wonders why I love this woman, you can't wonder anymore. Thank you so much, JL. The book is Vegan Pressure Cooking. The author is JL Fields. Go out and get one. You can get the book first or the pressure cooker first or do it the other way around. It works both ways. Thanks, so, Victoria. Are you going to hang out with us for a while longer? Or are you going yeah, on? I, I think I will. If I Colorado can. things. Okay, <laughs> good. Well, then we are going to be a three for all after the break coming up. We'll be bringing on Martin Rowe, the wonderful editor of Running, Eating, and Thinking, and Lisette Oro. Pessa. I'm going to learn how to say that by the end of this hour. Lizette is not only a vegan and a runner, she's an opera singer. Isn't that cool? Don't you wish you could do that? I do, but I'm happy to be talking to somebody who can do that. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking so we can have a break and get back with more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com. Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. And if you would like to join this conversation, if you're listening live, you can give a call at 888-558-6489. And we are going to be continuing the conversation with JL Fields. And I didn't know how much we were going to be continuing about pressure cooking until during the break, Martin and Lisette started saying, well, I pressure cook all the time, and Martin's saying, I've been pressure cooking for 20 years. So we may have a few more words on pressure cooking as well as running. Our party today keeps growing. We have uh, 
My dog Forbes seems to be crawling on everybody's lap, but that just makes it all the veganer. So I'm going to tell you who these other lovely people are. Martin Rowe is the co-founder of Lantern Books, a Brooklyn-based publishing company with works on vegetarianism, environmentalism, animal advocacy, religion, and social justice. He is also the publisher of my book, The Love Powered Diet. Thank you so much, Martin Rowe and Lantern Books. Martin is the author of a number of books, including The Polar Bear in the Zoo, A Speculation, and The Elephants in the Room, An Excavation. And he is the editor of Running, Eating, Thinking, a vegan anthology, which is what brings him to the show today. You can find out more about Lantern at lanternbooks.com and more about Martin at martin-row.com because he also writes about things like baseball and cricket and you'll find out why when you hear him speak. Lizette Oropesa is 31 years old. She's an internationally acclaimed operatic soprano who has appeared on many of the world's leading stages including the Metropolitan Opera in New York City, San Francisco, Paris, Munich and more. Beginning in her 20s, Lizette began a lifestyle change that helped her lose 90 pounds, take up yoga and running, adopt a plant based diet and she has since completed five marathons she's been featured in the runner's world column i'm a runner so welcome martin and lizette thank you very much you're so welcome and welcome back jl so before we get into running martin and lizette just tell me how cool is pressure cooking and make me feel guilty and then we can go forward Well, I didn't mean to make you feel guilty, but uh, when I was hearing all of this, I remember vividly going to Barnes and Noble uh, on um, at Astor Place to hear Lorna Sachs talk about vegan pressure cooking, or maybe it was just vegetarian pressure cooking. And I went out and bought a pressure cooker and a book accompanying with it, and the pressure cooker is still going, and the Barnes and Noble at Astor Place isn't. Mm-hmm. So that just shows you the the long life of uh, of um, a, a pressure cooker, and I use it every day, wow. every day for cooking beans and pulses and rice. It's terrific. Well, I, I think it is better not to compare our appliances to bookstores because we don't know <laughs> what's quite happening there. Lizette, pressure cooking? Same thing. I grew up in a Hispanic family, so beans and rice were an absolute staple. I The sound of the dancing pressure cooker little head, and when he wobbles, that sound it brings me back to my childhood, and we still use them, my husband and I. Almost every day when we make beans or lentils or vegetable stock or anything, it's a fantastic device. It's the best thing. Oh, that's great. Well, may that become the sound of many more childhoods Mm -hmm. instead of the strange microwave noise. (laughs) I don't know if microwaves are terrible, but they just kind of creep me out. So let let us move from food to exercise. So, Martin, why a book about running and veganism? Well, uh, I had been, when I was back in graduate school in 1992, I was very impressed by a book that was called Cooking, Eating, Thinking, which came out from Indiana University Press, which was by edited by Lisa Helker and Dean Curtin. And it was a very, very interesting anthology, which contained writings by Carol Adams, but also Basho's Zen prescriptions on cooking rice, and a whole range of sort of sociological and cultural and philosophical ideas about food and what made was so interesting about the anthology was that it was a speculative one most anthologies are gatherings of writing of a pre-existing discipline that then summarizes that discipline but the editors realized they didn't really know if there was a thing called food studies but they thought there should be and so they put together these ideas and said you know we'll see if anything anybody's interested in it And that was in 1992, and of course the 90s were filled with issues surrounding CSAs and food deserts and food security and uh, other aspects, the slow food movement and veganism. And actually this is one of the books that made me become a vegan in uh, 1993. So I was very impressed by the idea that you could establish an idea and wonder if other people might be interested in it. So when I thought of, when I became a runner, in 2007, in addition to my veganism, and then began to think about running and 
uh, veganism uh, and eating, which is what I do a lot of, <laughs> I thought, well, I, I let me put together an anthology. I don't know if this is this is a thing. I think it's a thing, but let's see if other people think it a thing. So I I sat around asking people to to write about this. I've obviously seen some very successful runners such as um, Scott Jurek and Rich Roll and Brendan Brazier and others. And we put out a call and we also found people like Lissette in Runner's World and Scott Spitz, who then be- was featured in Runner's World, and Gene Bauer, who became very interested in running. Uh, so I, I put together this, uh, this anthology of people who, of all sorts of, uh, who had made a commitment to veganism and running, and the result is running, eating, thinking. And of all of the essays that you collected, which one surprised you the most? Which one surprised me the most? Well, I think more that, I mean, a lot of people, when they think about running and veganism, they know it's, you know, it's good to move, it's good to be healthy, it's good to eat healthily. So many people are running because they want to get healthy and, and have a positive and healthy lifestyle. What I want with running, eating, thinking is to go a bit deeper and say, is there something beyond that, that that we can look at as both a vegan ethic and a running ethic that ties us together. So what surprised me about the entire volume was that it wasn't all about uh, I was feeling terrible and now I feel fantastic. There are people like Scott Spitz, a formidable runner, a 238 marathon runner and a vegan who is currently recovering from cancer. And he is still running and he still has cancer and he is still dealing with the idea that how could this happen to me? I'm an incredibly fit young man who is a vegan, but I also have cancer. So it was very important to me to say that veganism and running aren't panaceas to everything, but they are in some ways the reverse of that to the extent that they make you recognize your fragilities as well as your strengths, your mortality as well as your uh sense of being alive and that was interesting to me philosophically and so that's one aspect of the book that i found very surprising was just this depth of feeling about what it meant to be uh, an animate live body moving through space in this moment in time so martin rowe makes everything sound poetic (laughs) but seriously that's beautiful thank you now Lizette, let's talk a, a little bit more about you and introduce you a bit more to our listeners. I am so fascinated that you're an operatic soprano, and you're this lovely young woman. You are not the typical what people think that someone with a great booming voice is supposed to sound like, but obviously you have one. So tell us a little bit of your story. How did it all start for you? Well, uh, I grew up in the South, and uh, I kind of grew up with the standard American diet. Uh, my family was Hispanic, though, and so we had dinner every night. My father actually was the one that cooked dinner every night, and that's where the pressure cooker memory always comes from. But as I got older and wasn't really eating so much at home, I started eating um, you know, a lot of fast food, and I really had next to no knowledge about health. In fact, I resented it very much because when I was um, in an adolescent and we had to run in PE class, I was the, always the last to finish. And I had this horrible um, just sense of being a, a failure that even though I was really talented, I was really good in band class. I was really good in choir. I was really good in you know, a good student, you know, a straight A student, but I was just horrible in PE and the girls would make me feel bad and the teachers would often, you know, make comments or whatever. So I grew up thinking, you know what, athleticism, it's not me. If you're not born as an athlete, you'll never be an athlete. Um, when I, so I put on a lot of weight growing up. And when I came to New York to sing in the Mets Young Artist Program to join the program, I was 21 years old and I was 210 pounds. And they sat me down and they said, look, you know, you have an amazing instrument, a beautiful voice. Your career will be hindered by the fact that you are so overweight. Not only will you physically struggle on stage, because, you know, be, being an, a, a performer is an absolutely full body experience and being a singer is a full body experience. I mean, we're not amplified. We sing completely into a huge space with zero microphones. Um, and they said, you know, look, get your health under control, lose some weight, and it will only help you. 
And I took that advice to heart and I went to the gym and I started exercising and I just did what everybody else was kind of doing. And I just kind of said, okay, I hate this. I resent this with all of my being, but I'm going to do it because you know what? I've not come this far and I don't have this gift of music just to waste it on, on insisting on eating cheeseburgers. So, um, I started exercising and as I saw how hard it was, cause you know, when you're on the, on the elliptical, it tells you your calorie count. When I saw how hard it was to burn 100 calories, then I started reading labels on my foods that I would bring home. And I started going, what do you mean a quarter cup of cereal is 120 calories? Like, that's like... 12 minutes of misery on the treadmill or whatever. So I didn't, so I, I, that's how I started um, looking at what I was eating more carefully many years later. uh, And so I did this very, very slowly. I didn't attack it all at once because A, it's not healthy to do that. And B, I really couldn't. I mean, I had a lot of weight to lose. I knew I was in it for the long haul. And uh, after several years, I got to a point where I said, you know, I'm happy, but there's something missing in my life. I found a, um, my husband and I got together at the time. We were newly together and um, very much in love. And we both said, you know, what is the one thing that you are terrible at, you know, athletically, you know? And he said, oh, running. I'm horrible. And I said, oh, me too. I, let's let's do that. <laughs> let's let's start with that. So so we started running together from ground from you know ground zero. We went outside and started running, and it was August. It was swelteringly hot, and we didn't know to bring water or anything. It was like, man, running is awful, you know, any time of the year. Um, But I'm a very persistent person, and I knew if this was a demon deep inside that I wanted to tackle, which was that gym teacher that made me feel bad about how slow I used to be, I was like, I'm going to attack this. I'm going to work on it, and I know if I'm diligent, eventually I will get somewhere. And that has led us, that attitude has led me through this entire process. Um, and now I run marathons. I love distance running. It's kind of like this whole thing has blossomed into this incredible lifestyle. And that's when we, when we started running longer distances is when we became vegan because we started finding out that what we were eating was affecting how we were running, how we were feeling. Uh, and we actually read a lot of works, um, like Chi Running. We read um, Thrive by Brendan Brazier, who's a really incredible, really influential um, author. I think a lot of the things that he talks about are absolutely foundational for, for anything that, you, we've, um, that we've worked on in this lifestyle. And now here we are, 100% plant-based, um, almost completely raw. Actually, we're at least 50% raw most days. And we love it. I feel wonderful. I feel happy. I feel fulfilled, you know, um, and I do feel fragile. In fact, one of the things that Martin said I thought was beautiful was you do discover your fragility in this process. I mean, when you see how tender your body is and how sensitive your body is, it's the same thing as when you're singing. It's all sensitivity, but it's sensitivity through strength. That is what inspires people. Wow. There's, there's a lot to this. And as you talk about running, you're talking about some exotic land that I've never visited and never will because I, I blew my knee out running when I was 26 and then I was in a car accident. So I lift weights and I do a lot of things and I've just gotten into rock climbing, which I love. I will never run. So it's like watching your, your slides of your trip to Zimbabwe. So JL, you're still there? I am. Give us a little, uh, we've got three more minutes in this segment. Tell us where you're coming in on all this running stuff. Well, you know, it's funny. I was really resonating to, you know, I wasn't a very active person in my 20s or 30s. And I was actually a smoker. Um, <laughs> I smoked a lot of cigarettes. And um, and one day decided I should start running because I had um, lost a lot of weight. And then I quit smoking. And I was so afraid that by um, quitting smoking, I would gain all of my weight back. So I started running. And I started running like a mad woman um, and loved it um, and, and found it really fun. It, my husband always teased me that I was the one person running around with a grin. Like I never looked like I was in pain, even in a marathon when I was in pain, because I was just so happy to show up for it. Um, and I loved it. And where my complication came in, which I write about in the essay for um, the anthology, is just finding that balance after I was no longer running to be skinny. And um, so I, I left running for a while. And, and, and then I resumed. I just did a half marathon in October, much slower 
Um, and I was smiling the whole time too, <laughs> and it hurt more than ever. <laughs> so, um, there's something, you know, like liberating about feeling the strength of your body. Um, and, and I think I connect it to my veganism too, just like that. I know that I'm doing really good things for my body. And in return, that's doing really good things for others, whether they be people or animals or the environment. It's cool. It all comes together. Yeah. So, Lizette, just really quickly before the break, you travel a lot. And I was talking with someone today who who was talking about the challenge of being vegan as someone who travels a lot in their work. So you're in other countries, you're on the road, you're with people who don't share your diet. How do you do that? You have to cook. You simply have to prepare your own meals. You have to have a list of staples that you pick up that are available in every country, because they are, and you have to just not be afraid to get in the grocery store and pick up those staples and make your own meals. And you always end up having an advantage in that sense, because you save money and you save calories. So... So you mean as a raw fooder or mm-hmm. do you Absolutely. find that? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I was living on fruits and raw vegetables for like 95% of my diet in Paris, France, because the only thing that everyone eats there is bread and, um, and sweets and things like that. And I've been actually trying to reduce my bread intake because every time I go to France, I only eat bread and it's like, no, I'm going to eat fruits and vegetables. And that's what we've been doing. It can be done. It just takes a little bit of, you know knowing where to look and having your list and and sticking to it. I love that. (laughs) So just because we're going to be going wonderful places doesn't mean that we have to give up on our wonderful diet. You know what? After these wonderful messages, we're going to be back with more of these terrific people running, eating, thinking, and vegan pressure cooking while we're at it. Stay with us. Looking for the spiritual in your everyday life? Searching for meaning in the meaningless? Check out the book, Rants to Revelations, by Reverend Ogenholder. Using his characteristic wit, humor, and storytelling, Reverend Ogen brings spiritual insight into practically every arena of human life. From issues of spiritual growth and family life to deep theological concerns about God and reality, he combines personal narrative with philosophical and scientific understanding to bring a fresh perspective into the life of faith in today's postmodern world. Pick up a copy of Rants to Revelations today from www.rantstorevs.com. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. You could take your Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. We have been talking about gym teachers. Nobody seems to have liked their gym teacher very much. But if you want to call in 888-558-6489... And win your very own copy of Running, Eating, Thinking, or one of Martin Rowe's other fabulous books, The Polar Bear in the Zoo or The Elephants in the Room, call us and tell us the name of a gym teacher that you remember. Maybe you love this person. 
maybe you didn't. Either way is okay with us. Call us with your gym teacher's name, and you will have more wonderful books in your life than you do right now. Now, JL, we were saying during the break, your husband is a triathlon coach. Is that like being married to your gym teacher? <laughs> um, yeah, only better. A, it's legal. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's funny. He um, has told me repeatedly after I ask him for training plans that he never wants to train his wife again because he'll give me a training plan for a half marathon. And then he's like, aren't you supposed to be out running this morning? And I'll say like, well, I decided not to do it. And he's like, you're the worst athlete in my whole stable of athletes. Um, because you know, I want to drink my coffee instead of go out for that run. But, um, but no, he's very supportive. And I have to tell you as someone who is a triathlon coach and he's around all of these hard bodies all the time. I mean, he's like, he gets a saint award for all kinds of things, including, um, loving his wife who's chosen to look different than most of his athletes do in body size. And for that, he wins all kinds of awards. <laughs> what a sweet love story for this February. Thank you. So Martin, Tell us a little bit about being in the book business. You're so brave to be in the book business at this time in history. So I know you have some wonderful new titles on the way. Give us a rundown. Well, I actually, I'm very positive about the book business at the moment, strangely enough. The change in the nature of the way books are produced and the opportunities to distribute your writing. It may not take the form of a physical book, but you're you know, communicating what you have to say, your ideas, there are now more options than ever. And so to be a communicator, which is essentially what book publishers are, is actually, it, it, there's a lot of positive stuff, I would say, out there. So we have also embraced the idea of crowdfunding. So one of the books that I'm very excited about, which is uh, going to come out in the next couple of months, is called The Art of the Animal, which is 14 women artists who are inspired by the work of Carol J. Adams, who's the author of The Sexual Politics of Meat. And that is a companion volume to a book we published in 2013 called Defiant Daughters, which were 21 women who were inspired by Carol's work. And this is very much, I feel, sort of encouraging the next generation of women writers and women artists uh, who look at the issue of animal rights and veganism and uh, explore the intersections of that with feminism. I'm very excited about sort of being able to bring those voices and those visions into the uh, printed world as well as the ebook world. Uh, I also have a book called An Art for the Other by two Italian philosophers and art historians, uh, Leonardo Caffo and Valentina Sonsoni, which is a reflection on uh, art, architecture and culture and the way animals and their depiction uh, intersect these various uh, genres and media. And that'll be out in the next few months as well. I've also got uh, a book just out from Laurie Gruen, the philosopher at Wesleyan College, called Entangled Empathy, which is, for me, a really fascinating, multidimensional and embedded way of looking at animal ethics, our relationship with animals, and what we should and should not do with them. So I, I'm, lots of exciting stuff coming along. Oh, it sounds wonderful. I love everything that you guys do. Sometimes just to have a cup of tea, and a cold afternoon. The cold afternoons I have been very abundant um, in lately. And one of your wonderful books, when you can just take the time and really sit with something meaningful and important, it's it's quite a treat. Thank you. So do, do go to lanternbooks.com and find out what's going on there. Now, Lizette, moving over to you, I'm fascinated that you are becoming rawer and rawer. Um, <laughs> I am rawer in the summer, but rawer than I've ever been, even the, the rest of the time. And uh, actually, my, my new book, The Good Karma Diet, talks some about this. So tell me your little foray here into more raw. Well, um, I started experimenting with raw when we were in Miami, Florida. Good one, place. One winter. <laughs> In Miami, Florida, it's 80 degrees in January. You can hang out on the beach. And there was this farmer's market with a stand with this African woman who would make these raw. It was all raw vegan. And she would just have these giant bowls of these brightly colored and very fragrant um, concoctions that she would just make. She wouldn't even tell you what they weren't even like labeled. She was like, have some of the kale. 
but it was like kale with like hundred other different things. Here, have some of this cashew curry. Here, have some of this tomato. And she just let me sample because I'm a very sensual in the sense of I like um, sensory overload when it comes to food, which is why I love food. Is why I like cooking. But this stuff smelled like nothing I'd ever smelled before. And she said, "Here, just taste a little bit of each one." I that afternoon we sat in a park and the sun was shining and I was eating this raw food and I felt like. I have my focus all of a sudden changed. Like I could see better. It was very, very strange. I was having an experience unlike any other. And I went to that woman every single week. I followed her around to all the different farmers markets that she went to, to eat her food because she was not only really, really nice, really beautiful. She had this skin that was like just glowed from the inside. She was super, I mean, her food was incredible and it didn't last long. Like people would eat that stuff up like crazy. And I said, okay, I have to understand what this is. And she said, it's raw vegan. She said, once you start eating this way, you will never go back. And I said, okay, that's it. We went to a a bookstore and we picked up a bunch of different books on being raw. I started looking up uh, on Twitter, people who were raw websites about people who were raw and the whole lifestyle. Actually, Brendan Brazier talks a lot about um, eating raw in his books as well. Um, we went out and um, started started with smoothies, started with the Vitamix, you know. Um, and it's really, it, every time I eat this way, I feel like my energy is quadruple what it is when I have a heavy meal. Even though a heavy meal is very satisfying, very nice in the winter, having a, a fresh, crisp apple or a fresh banana. There's nothing like that feeling when you're really hungry. And then you start realizing what your body reacts to nutrient wise. You know, when you're missing potassium, when you're missing uh, sodium, whatever it is, your body gets it immediately in a raw vegetable or a raw fruit. And it tastes phenomenal. And really, I I, I can't wait to be 100%. Ideally, I would be 100%. We're getting there. It's fascinating. And one of the things that I say in my new book is I'm not a scientist. I'm not a physician. So as a lay person, the way that I decide which iteration of being plant based Mm -hmm. seems to be the best is to look at people who have done these various things for a very long time. And when I look at the raw or high raw people who have done it for 30, 40, 50 years, they're radiant. They're, they're just incredible. And that's what I want when I grow up. So that's, that's what has taken me a little bit more in that direction. So along the same lines, but not so much about the raw, just your vegan journey overall, has it changed your singing? Singing seems like such an incredible athletic pursuit in itself. Absolutely. Have you noticed a difference? Yes. Um, you know, any little thing that your body goes through, and this happens to you as you um, become more, I think, holistic overall, you become more in touch with your body. But as a singer, you're always like that in general. Any little allergen in the air, any environmental change, temperature changes go immediately to your voice and they affect your singing voice. So when, when I might be speaking to you, you may not notice it. But if I go to sing a high note, it may not be there um, because my cords have swollen because of something that I've breathed in. Um, and traveling a lot, you, you, you encounter completely different environments, completely different allergens and completely different um, people and smells and things like that. Cigarette smoke, for example, uh, is really highly allergic uh, for singers. Um, so because of that, I always notice that when I eat well, my cords are less swollen. My body in general has less ache. I sleep better. Those kinds of things, because singing is basically an athletic pursuit, will make you feel better. Just the same way they make your runs better. You know, when you have less um, less toxins, I guess, in your body and, and you're more rested, you can recover more quickly. You don't get sick as often. And when you do get sick, you recover much faster. And that, I think, is the main thing for singers, is that singers are always sick. Singers are always sick. It's like a joke. They're either sick getting sick, or just having been sick. It's one of those three states. I have been so happy that I have been able to avoid a lot of major, major, major uh, pitfalls because I've been able to take control. When I feel something coming on, I know exactly what it is because I feel it in my cords, I feel it in my body, and boom, I'll eat something like turmeric, for example, to reduce inflammation, ginger, tea, things like that, that are just easy fixes, but they're vegan, they're healthy, and they fix you right up. Wow, that's exciting. And I love it that you're an opera singer. <laughs> now, I know a lot of, of vegans find wonderful ways 
to be professionally vegan as, as writers and educators and they open restaurants and they do all these fabulous things. But I also love it when there are vegans out in the world doing what's going on out there. So people who want to find out more about Lizette, she's on Facebook at Lizette Oropesa. Oropesa. Pesa. Oropesa. I haven't gotten it yet it's and okay. I only have seven minutes to go. Okay. L-I-S-E-T-T-E-O-R-O-P-E-S-A. Brilliant. You can figure it out. Uh, and her website is LizetteOropesa.com. Getting better, getting better. Uh, and on Twitter, she's Lizette underscore Oropesa. So you all can just follow the heck out of her. Now, you said you're not the only vegan opera singer that you know no, of? There, There's another really popular one uh, who's one of my good friends. Her name is Elizabeth DeShong, who's a very active uh, vegan and a beautiful mezzo-soprano. Uh, she's the most active one I can think of. So follow Elizabeth DeShong, mezzo-soprano, who's also a really well-known uh, great singer. That's exciting. I love it when we're in all these professions. <laughs> I had a, a professional wrestler on the show about a year ago, Austin Aries, great guy. And it's like, gosh, you can find us at the Met. You can find us in the ring. It's all good. All good. And you're... Find, you can find both in the ring at the Met. If you want <laughs> well, I suppose that's true, too. <laughs> and speaking of, you are going to be doing a radio broadcast of Rigoletta in Amsterdam. Yeah. Well, Quite vegan there. They love it there. Everybody there is vegetarian. It's a very green town, so... That'll be fun. Oh, that's, that is good to know. My husband actually lived in Harlem outside Amsterdam, and I went over to visit him a couple of times and kept saying, how can we be Dutch? What do we have to do to be Dutch? Oh, well, now we live in Harlem, New York, and he always <laughs> says, I may be the only person who's lived in both Harlem. <laughs> so that's very cool. And then in your running life, you have the Pittsburgh Marathon yep, on next. May 3rd. Yep, I'm going to be there singing an opera in which I play a, a young girl who was raised by a regiment of soldiers. So I'm going to be in this little soldier girl, and I'm going to be running my marathon the next day after opening night all over Pittsburgh. So, Whoa! So excited. What a life! We have good lives. <laughs> What's going on in your life, JL? <laughs> it depends on the day. <laughs> you don't have to be in a little soldier outfit. We still love you. <laughs> I am not. No, I'm on my book tour. If people want to um, see if I'm coming to their town, go to Vegan Pressure Cooking. Dot com, which is actually part of my website, jlgoesvegan.com. And I would love to see you. Next up is Cincinnati and Columbus, Ohio. Wonderful. I like both of those places. Ohio has the most cities of any state. Have you noticed that? No, now that you say it, well, I now that see you, that. It's a very good party <laughs> game. Let's all name a city in Ohio without repeating one. So, uh, veganpressurecooking.com, you can find out where JL is going to be hanging out. Now, Martin, I think of you as being very smart, and I think of you as being very English and very thoughtful, and you also have this interest in the sports of batting and bowling. So tell us about those. <laughs> Which are only for dumb <laughs> people who shouldn't be interested in. No, I'm not, I, you know, I am developing an interest in baseball because we just watched the big um, mini-series about the history of, of oh, right, the Ken baseball. Burns the, series, Ken, yeah. the Ken Burns. Mm-hmm. I found it absolutely fascinating. It was really a history of America. Mm-hmm. And, and you have an interest in both baseball and cricket. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's cool that you're so renaissance-ish. So tell us about baseball and cricket. Well, I co-wrote a book with a friend of mine who's a passionate baseball fan and who actually introduced me to the game of baseball when I came to the States in 1995. Well, I came to the States earlier than that, but the first game was in 1996, I believe. And so we co-wrote a book called Right Off the Bat, Baseball, Cricket, Literature and Life, in which we reflect on the joint, mutual, intersecting histories of baseball and cricket. You may not realize, but the first international cricket game took place in the United States. It was the U.S. versus Canada. It was played in Philadelphia. And up until the end of the 19th century, cricket was a more popular game in the United States than baseball. Seriously? And articles about the game and reports about the game were regularly featured in the New York Times. That the founder of baseball, the one who popularized baseball, not the whole nonsense with the, 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 you know, the uh, the Cooperstown, Abner Doubleday, but the real guy who did it, he was a cricketer. 
the founder of the Pythian League, which was the first African-American baseball club uh, just after the end of the Civil War. Those two were also cricketers. So cricket is responsible in more ways than one for the beginnings of baseball. And so he and I talk about all of the sort of deep rhythms of both games uh, in a way that you don't have to understand what's going on. You don't have to know all the crazy jargon. You don't have to know all about the lunatic statistics that baseball and cricket fans immediately assault you with as soon as you arrive in the stadium. But you can learn about the meaning of time in both games. They're both steeped in summer and nostalgia and gambling and race and empire and the meaning of patriotism as you found out in baseball. It's the history of America. Cricket is the history of the British Empire. So they have this very, very interesting way of reflecting about society and social change and uh, all of that stuff. So that's what I love about cricket and baseball. And Cricket World Cup is on right now. So check it out. Whoa, well, may your team win. (laughs) You know, when somebody... My team has not got a hope in hell. I'm afraid, but Australia is a good team. Well, that's that's good. That's the thing about teams. You can always adopt another one. So very, very quickly, any famous uh, vegan uh, cricketers or baseball players? Well, I can't think of any famous vegan, I can't think of any vegan ones, infamous or famous uh, as yet, but they may have been. Um, uh, I will check it out and I'll get back to you if I can find any. Okay, very good, because we need to infiltrate every sport, every profession. Now, I know that we weren't able to give away that copy of uh, Running, Eating, Thinking, but what we can do is give it away to one of you podcast listeners who never seem to get in on the contest. So just... um, Tweet me, I am Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter, and tell me your gym teacher's name, and uh, if you're the first one, you'll get the book. What do you think of that? Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, J.L. Fields, Vegan Pressure Cooking, Lizette Oropesa, I finally got it, Martin Rowe, Running, Eating, Thinking, LanternBooks.com. God bless you, and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, 
Guide and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on The Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again. Don't take your dreams lying down.